TSN Hockey Insider, Darren Drager on the phone. And Dregs, I saw something last night that I'm not sure that I've ever seen before. A TSN Hockey Insider wearing a sports jersey. Pierre Lebrun <laughs> rocking it at the Cowboys game. Looked like a lot of fun. When is the last time Darren Dreger has sported a, a jersey? Uh, well, you know, I, I'm thinking about this. Uh, maybe as a player in some way, shape. Yep. Get out loud. You know, my son, I think there were there was a charity event or a provincial championship or an OMHA championship or something like that where to show support for the Whippy Wildcats, the parents. That gotcha. sort of thing. But... We got. I don't know if we can maybe try and get him back. I think he's coming in and out on that one, so try and get him. But supporting the sun is that, a, that's it. it like yeah. he, 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 so it's not a professional jersey. Yeah. So supporting, I supporting the boy. I don't throw on jerseys a lot anymore. Like I used to be every time jersey at the game, girl. See, I was never really jer- like as a kid. I guess I did. But, like, when I became an adult, I guess, I, I never really started putting jerseys. When I became older than the people that I was wearing on the back of my, like, I Is that when stopped. it gets weird? When you start getting older than the players I don't know if it's weird. Like, I don't care. People can do what they want to do. But I, I just, I was never really jersey guy. No, it's not the, it's not the yeah. age thing. It's the working in sports thing that makes it weird. Right, Drags? Yeah, sorry about that. I'm not no, sure don't worry. what happened. But, look, in defense of Pierre, he's an unabashed, Super fan of the Dallas Cowboys. He is like yep. Chris Johnson's a little bit more muted, um, but in Pierre's case, like I've done podcasts with Ryan Rashog and, and Pierre LeBron, where you know it's it's the morning and he's sitting in his home office, his home studio, and he's got like a Cowboys toque on and a Cowboys T-shirt on, and God knows what other memorabilia, paraphernalia related to the Cowboys he's wearing. So. He, he takes Superfan to a higher level in terms of working in major sport industries. I mean, um, look, I mean, we're getting into a busy time here, and I think he just came out of another minor hockey weekend with his kids. So he gets on a flight, I think, yesterday morning to go to Tampa Bay to go to that football game, the Cowboys and the Bucks, and then he's out of Tampa Bay. I think he just landed in Toronto not that long ago. If that doesn't scream of a super fan, oh, yeah. given everything that we've got going and he has going in his world, I don't know what does. I'm pretty sure he may have also been working while at the game. Because I, I shot him a text yesterday after they went up like 31-6 to 6 or something like that. And I said, you must be having the time of your life. I'm so happy for you, knowing that he was sitting you know, in the hundreds on like the 50-yard line. And he shoots me a note legitimately like 10 seconds later. I'm like, Pierre, why are you on your phone? Like, I did not expect to get a message back there. What are you on your phone? And I'm like, he's probably sitting there texting general managers and seeing what's going on in the hockey world. He better be, because we have insider trading tonight. And That's right. again on Thursday. So <laughs> he's got to pull his weight. No NFL football game is going to get in the way of us delivering the news, damn it. That's right. That's Love right. Uh, well, speaking of, let's, let's get to the news of yesterday, because <laughs> I would say the biggest probably hockey news right now is is what's going on in Vancouver. What were your takeaways from the Jim Rutherford press conference? Uh, To be fair, I was impressed by Jim Rutherford. Uh, You know, it's not often you see the the president of an NHL club stand in there just past the uh, midpoint of the season 
and answer question after question after question. Now, normally, you know, those questions are directed to the general manager, some cases the head coach. But because of everything that's gone into this season, most recently, you know, the, the issues medically with Tanner Pearson that have now cost him the rest of this season, Rutherford obviously felt like it's his responsibility to, to answer all of those questions. So he wasn't naive enough to think that this was only going to be a medical update and he would have to defend the, the medical department of the Vancouver Canucks and the secondary opinions that, that they introduced with Pearson, et cetera. He knew that there would be Boudreaux questions. He knew that there would be retool, quote-unquote, rebuild, which he doesn't want to talk about questions, all of that. Um, so he, he hung in there, to be fair. I, I don't think there were too many questions that didn't go asked, right? So uh, I thought he was honest. I thought he was forthcoming. There were a couple of things that, that surprised me. Uh, the one was the acknowledgement that they literally have talked to other candidates, and we've all yeah. speculated on the possibility of, of Rick Tockett from TNT being at the top of the list and perhaps something gets done there. But to be that open when you've got – a veteran NHL coach on your bench in Mudro and openly talk about trying to, to, to find his successor while he's still coaching. I, I, yeah, I've been covering the National Hockey League since the early 90s, and I feel like this is a first. Guys get fired all the time. Like, you know, they, coaches get fired. Okay, here's an interim coach till the end of the year, or you, you're fortunate enough to, to have a, a coach in the waiting, like Rick Tockett, okay, you make that move. But to acknowledge publicly that you're still talking to potential candidates, that was uh, that was a surprising one for me. Yeah, the only word I could give it is is interesting. Dregs, what, what do you Bizarre. make of that's my word that situation? Yeah, that's a good one too. What, what's the thought process? Do you think behind keeping Boudreaux behind the bench, and, and also yeah. what 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 are they hoping to recover this season? And why not just ride yeah. it out with Bruce till the end? Well, I, yeah, I, I mean, I guess the only reason you wouldn't ride it out with Bruce is if you can nail down pocket or a guy who's coming in on a longer term, right? Your next full-time head coach. And you give that coach, you know, the remainder of the regular season to get that structure that everybody talks about around the bench. And, you know, a working mentality, philosophy, all of those good things that you need to build a good organization. Well, you can, you can implant some of that, you know, in the weeks remaining to the end of the regular season. And maybe that does give you a little bit of a head start when you go into the start of next year, which is why Rutherford maybe didn't want to say renovate or rebuild, more of a retool, if they can get that person in place. Otherwise, um, I mean, it, it, well, there are two other things that come to mind. One, you know, you have to get to a point, I think Vancouver is there now, where you know it's a lost season, right? You, you're not going to be in the playoff next so your focus is on changing the core, which he also talked about, and that'll come perhaps organically in uh, in Bo Horvat, the captain, maybe Brock Besser, maybe a, a Tyler Myers, you know, bigger pieces like that. Um, so you know, you wanted to wait to make sure that you're in the position where you feel like you absolutely have to make the coaching change in the near future, as opposed to letting Bruce go to the end of the year. And then thirdly, and nobody's acknowledged this. And I don't get the sense that the Aquilini's, the owner, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, is putting any pressure on Jimmy or has said at any point, 
look, you, you can't make a coaching change because I'm not paying for this. But, you know, we know that, that uh, Boudreaux's contract does expire at the end of the season. We know they're still play, paying Travis Green. So can you get creative financially where, say, it's Rick Tockett, essentially takes over, you know, you've got a little bit of money to pay Boudreaux, and then next year, you know, the, the bigger deal, the, the bigger numbers for Rick Tockett or the coach they hire takes into effect. So those three things are, are the three areas that I think make most sense when trying to figure out why they haven't fired Bruce at this stage. We're chatting with Darren Dreger, TSN Hockey Insider. Um, one of the other, I think, notable things that came from that presser was, you know, the, the verbiage that he had used saying um, not all of our core is going to still be yeah. here long term and then said uh, he believed it was going to be minor surgery when he got here but now believes it's going to take major surgery to get this team back up to where uh, yeah. they're expected to get to. I guess when it comes to the roster, do you believe that there is any untouchables there or is it kind of open for business? If you give us an offer, we're yeah. going to listen uh, really, really intently. Well, there'd be untouchables for me. I can't imagine that they're interested in moving Quinn Hughes. I can't imagine that they're interested in moving Elias Pettersson. Um, and it would take a hell of a deal, you know, if I were in management there to consider moving Thatcher Demko. Hmm. Now, if you're Demko, um, you know, I, 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 he to me seems the most logical if you're even willing to go there. The reason Patterson wouldn't be is only if Elias Patterson says, well, I'm, I'm not signing here long term. I'm telling you that right now. Well, then you get into that, that awkward and, and transitional phase where, you know, you got to wrestle with, okay, well, let's let the player calm down. He's represented by CAA Hockey, which is Patterson and JP Berry. They're never going to do anything wickedly knee jerk. But if you're Patrick Alvin or Jim Rutherford, you need to get a real strong handle on what that looks like with Patterson moving forward. But those would be two of those three, if not all three, would be the untouchables. And I'm not even looking at some of their younger guys and some of the prospects that they've got coming. We're with our TSN Hockey Insider right now, Darren Dreger, and the trade buzz hopefully is beginning tra- uh, drags. What, what's the trade buzz like right now? It's interesting. We're talking about Vancouver and their kind of yeah. uh, team everyone has circled to be fairly active at the deadline, and then yeah. we've heard GMs say that the cap, well, we heard uh, Rutherford yeah. yesterday say how hard things are with the cap. So are you expecting yeah. a, a busy trade deadline with all the fish that are av- available and such an attractive first overall pick this year, or, or is yeah. the cap going to maybe slow things down a bit? Well, it always has uh, uh, a hindrance, for sure. Uh, but we've lived through that, right? That's the way it's been for you know the last number of years now. Um, you know, I should have mentioned Andre Kuzmenko, you know, in talking about the Vancouver Canucks because that's an interesting piece, a really interesting piece. So you know, the Canucks have to get to a place where you know they're willing to pay him six million or north of six million on an extension, or is his trade value worth? more in the bigger picture of doing that major surgery and retooling, as Rutherford talked about. Um, and then, look, if we're talking about Kuzmenko, just given his cap hit for this year, I mean, he would be a real attractive ad for just about any team, any playoff contending oh, yeah. team, any top contending team. You know, if you're looking to, to add a, a, an offensive piece, of course you're going to call. So maybe it takes something like that. Um, you know, the Chikrin stuff has been out there. It's endless. 
you know, is Ottawa going to do anything? Probably not. Maybe they sell a piece off here and there just based on where they're at in the standings. You know, the St. Louis Blues guys are keeping it interesting, aren't they, in the West? So, mm-hmm. you know, Doug Armstrong might keep the powder dry there. He's going to have a tough decision to make with Tarasenko and O'Reilly. Could he conceivably use those two players as own rentals, as we used to call them, um, and, and see what they can do in the playoffs? Don't know. And, and even though I grow tired of saying this and you guys are sick of hearing it, it's still early. And, and it is. You know, we're at the midpoint of January, but the cap does continue to go down as you get closer to, uh, to the March 3rd trade deadline. So there's always trade discussion, but do I get a sense that there's anything imminent? No, nothing really that would be considered front burner. Which is interesting because I think when you look at Toronto in particular, like Kyle Dubas has been a guy who's kind of been one of the GMs to get out early and, and make that move. You think about the Campbell deal a couple of years ago, the, the, the Jake Muzzin trade, the Labushkin deal that he had made also. Yeah. Like, he, he is a guy who has been known yeah. to get ahead of the trade market a little bit. He has. Um, look, I, you know, Connor Timmons was considered to be a minor trade with the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah. And, okay, I mean, he had a, a tough night the other night with Morgan Riley. Um, but for the most part, I would say that, you know, the, the limited body of work has been pretty good in a Toronto Maple Leafs uniform, right? And sometimes those small deals can turn into much bigger ones. I Look, I, you know, I'm not here to, to beat the Kyle Dubas drum, but when you look at the collection of, of smaller deals that he's made, that it's impressive over the course of his resume. And, and, you know, I think that that's what he's looking to do here moving forward. I think Toronto would like to add a, a shutdown defenseman probably isn't going to be a bigger money guy because they can't afford to do that. But Dubas does his due diligence. Those who surround him, you know, the resources that he has, they do strong work. So I'm sure they've got a list of players that they've identified that they think could be a good fit if or when the time is right. And I would apply that to to a piece up front on the wing as well. You know, if they could find an affordable top six winger and they could slide Callie Yarncroke down into the bottom six, I think Toronto would be formidable. I think that they'd like their chance against just about anybody in the East. And, I look, you want to go back to the Boston game on the weekend? Um, yeah, I mean, there were some things that they have to clean up, but it wasn't a uh, like a five-alarm fire. <laughs> no. Austin Matthews scored a highlight real goal. Sure, they made some mistakes. People are screaming they need to see more from Morgan Riley. Okay, well, I think we can all agree, can't we, that what we've seen from Morgan Riley at this point of his NHL career is that he is going to return to form. He's, he's had some bumps. He's had you know, some, some issues. He's coming back from that knee injury. But there is one thing that I wouldn't worry one second about if I were a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, and that is the playing future of Morgan Riley in a blue and white uniform. You know, he's, he's in a tough patch right now, but that's going to be short-lived. Well, I think if there's one person who could be happy, because I think Sheldon Keefe spoke yesterday, I don't know if you have an update on it, about maybe when we'll see T.J. Brody return. You know, he's played really well when he's been with Brody, but it's been a bit of a revolving door yeah. this season yeah. with all the injuries. Uh, I think once he gets back, I assume that they'll, those will get reunited, and, and that will probably be when we see the, the Morgan Riley of old hopefully return. Yeah, and, and you know, it's it, it, it's not entirely easy when you're, ta- you're playing with different defense partners and, and all of that, but Morgan has done that to a good portion 
of, of his career. Not having T.J. Brody upsets things. Obviously it does because of his presence. Um, you know, the mindset between Brody and Riley is definitely in sync. T.J. knows his role. Uh, Morgan knows that when T.J. is there, you know, he can really ratchet up the offensive side of his game. And I think that I, I sometimes wonder if that's what people, you know, judge Morgan Riley on. You know, okay, again, against Boston, that pairing had a tough opening. So be it. You move on. But, you know, we judge players on, on offense um, no matter what. And sometimes that's a little bit unfair. But this does speak to what T.J. Brody can provide to the, the Maple Leafs. Said. And, look, he, he's taken his time because they want him to, to, to get back to as close to 100% as he possibly can. And in the meantime – there's nothing wrong with, you know, giving other players, be it Gibbons or others, a little bit more responsibility because you can't be sure, absolutely sure, that you're going to find the upgrade that you're hoping to find at an affordable price between now and the trade deadline. So if that's the case and you're not able to do that, you'd better like your defensive core and hopefully, you know, they're as healthy as they can be when you drop puck in game one of the playoffs. Yeah, and tonight it'll be Timothy Lilligren that's going to get the opportunity alongside Morgan Riley. Nice uh, uptick in, in, in ice time yeah. for him tonight, I would expect. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it there, Dregs. Really appreciate the time, as always. We'll uh, look forward to hearing you on Insider Trading later today. All right. Enjoy the game, guys. All right. You as well.